I'm the executive director of the, and this has already been told, you know, MCHC, the Montana Council for History and Civics Education, or a nonprofit organization dedicated to the promotion of history and civics education in the state of Montana. We have a web page, if you want to know more about us, www.mchc.net. And we're also on Facebook, and we like you to like us, so visit us on Facebook. Uh, we have this as resources for teachers. Okay, the title of my, I'm a little, a little bit, I have to do some uh, caveats about this. Uh, my title is actually George Patriot, Patrick Ahern, From Buffalo Soldier to Imperial Forester. Uh, does anyone know anything about this guy? Yeah, he's, he's not the most well-known person in uh, the history of the American West, but he is significant. I first encountered Ahern uh, when I was writing another talk on the American conservation movement, and I framed that talk with the question of how did Montana get its national forests? Well, a closer examination of the answers to this question revealed that the birth of the national forest system in Montana, but also in the West generally, was much more complex than the standard story that it was something that Eastern interests and the federal government imposed upon Westerners, something that they didn't want, they didn't desire, they resisted ever since. But in fact, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the birth of the forest system was really a question of a convergence between uh, local Western interests and desires and national initiatives. And in that convergence, uh, George Patrick Ahern uh, uh, played a critical role. This is, uh, there are very few pictures of this man. This was from, I think, either the Helena uh, paper or the Yvonne Courier. And this is how he looks like when he's working in uh, uh, Montana during his Montana years. Um, the broader sense, however, I think Ahern's uh, life was a mesh and really reflects uh, some of the historical events, the institutions, uh, and the forces that work in Montana and the West generally in the last two decades of the uh, uh, 19th century, from the collapse of Indian dominance of the Northern Plains to their confinement to reservations, uh, to the activities and the mission of the U.S. Army, particularly the officer corps, uh, people like uh, Ahern, and the transformation in the West by uh, capitalist economic development, and finally the creation of an overseas um, American empire in the Caribbean and the Pacific, which came hard on the heels of uh, the official declaration of the closing of the American frontier in 1890. But very much it was an extension of the American frontier and the manifest destiny that propelled uh, the Euro-American uh, occupation of uh, the West. Now, half hour is not long enough, or 25 minutes not long enough. This is really a one-hour presentation. So rather than trying to cram his entire life and accomplishments into one uh, talk, into 25 minutes, I'm going to give you two hors d'oeuvres, but not the main course. In fact, the second hors d'oeuvre might be snatched out of your lips because of the constraint of time. So, um, so I, I guess what I want to do is just give you a general summary of his entire career. You can see the breadth and scope of it. Um, George Patrick Ahern was born in 1859. Can you see this? Is this? Yeah, okay, great. Born in 1859 in New York City uh, to Patrick Henry Ahern. Note that name. He was a, uh, listed as a dry goods merchant. Might have been a liquor, liquor merchant. There's two George Patrick Aherns in the uh, New York uh, in the New York records, and to Jane uh, Dwyer Ahern. His father, Patrick a uh, Henry Ahern, appears to have been expelled from Ireland uh, for his revolutionary activities on the part of Irish independence from Britain, and Ahern always claimed that he was a son of the Irish Revolution. 
Um, when the Civil War uh, broke out, Ahern's father joined his New York regiment in the Union Army and was the regiment's flag bearer at the First Battle of Wool Run. So the, the highlights of his career include the following. He was the officer in the 24th and 25th U.S. Infantry Regiment and the 10th Cavalry Regiments. These are the African-American uh, Buffalo Soldier Regiments. He was, and this I want to, talk to tell this story, he was the personal secretary and friend of Sitting Bull during uh, Sitting Bull's house arrest at Fort Randall, and he maintained a continuing, very warm friendship with Sitting Bull's family after Sitting Bull's death. Uh, he now this this is uh, this is the caveat. He was present with the 25th Infantry, uh, but he was held in re reserve at Fort Keogh, Miles City, during the Pine Ridge Campaign that resulted in the Wounded Knee Operation of 1890-91 and the massacre by that name. Now he was not present. He did not witness it, and uh, as I will explain later, much to his relief, much to his relief. He was a so-called explorer of Glacier Park, Ahern Pass, and Helen Lake, or, well, Ahern Pass is named after Helen Lake, after his mother, and Northwest Montana in the late 1880s. He founded the Ronzi program at Montana State College in Bozeman, and also the College of Montana and Deer Mark. I don't know how many of you have heard that. Uh, probably was their first football coach, uh, in 1897, he taught at Montana State College in Gifford Pinchot's uh, words, the first systematic course in scientific forestry in the United States, using the Middle Creek Basin as his field study area. He was an advisor to the U.S. Forest Commission on his tour of the Montana forest lands in 1897, and therefore, thereby, well even before that, played a critical role in the creation of the Gallatin, the Bitterroot, and the Flathead Forest Reserves, now the Gallatin, Flathood, and Bitterroot National Forest. He won a Silver Star for bravery in Cuba during the Spanish-American War and uh, 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 injured himself quite severely assisting guerrilla operations in the jungles of Cuba uh, during the war. At Gifford Pinchot's urging, Ahern was appointed the chief uh, of the Philippine Bureau of Forestry from 1900 to 1914, subsequently setting up a field organization, creating the Philippine Forestry School, Los Baños, which is still exists, and he contributed extensively to tropical forest research. In World War I, he was the chief assistant to the U.S. military, uh, the director of the U.S. military intelligence. Uh, after the war, he was the chief secretary of the U.S. War College that was transforming the old army that he had graduated into in 1882 into the modern army. Upon returning to the United States, he contributed well into the 1920s and the 30s to forestry research and advocacy, publishing in 1929, among his many books, uh, Deforested America. Quite a, quite a career, quite a career. He also probably participated in the Boxer Rebellion, uh, the suppression of the Boxer Rebellion, the relief of the foreign legations, uh, during that uh, during that episode, uh, Ahern attended West Point from uh, 1878 to 1882, graduating into what was called then the Old Army, or what we call now the Old Army, the U.S. Army that existed before the Spanish-American War. Uh, here's the, here's the class of 1882. There's George Ahern uh, in his graduation picture, and here he's in the in the composite picture. Uh, Ahern graduated 37th out of a class of 37, therefore making him the GOAT of West Point class of 1882. West Point, a candidate who, grad, who graduates last in his class, is considered the GOAT of his class. Uh, actually quite an honor these days. 
however, Ahern shared the, uh, stat uh, the honor of being a GOAT with a number of other uh, famous and infamous uh, West Point graduates, George Hen uh, Armstrong Custer, Henry Heath, James Long Longstreet, Jefferson Davis, George Pickett, and Edgar Allan Poe, uh, all with kind of checkered military careers. Um, I must say, uh, Ahern did not lack for intellectual gifts, because I won't get to this, but when he was in Washington, D.C., reporting on the forestry conditions in the West in 93-94, he joined the senior class of the Yale uh, Law School and graduated with honors. So why he ended at the end of his class, I don't know. Um, from the late 1860s uh, until the 1890s, the United States maintained only a small army of uh, 25,000 enlisted men and officers, many of the officers uh, being graduates of West Point, uh, and many of the enlisted men being African Americans. Uh, but this should not belie the importance. The small size of the army should not uh, belie its importance. So this is something I'd like to talk about, but I don't have time. It was uh, the U.S. government on the frontier. It was a constabulary, largely, and a powerful engine for nation building and economic development. Well, being the, being the GOAT of the class of 1882 meant that Ahern was assigned as second lieutenant to the 25th Infantry, a segregated black regiment. Uh, it was customary for about the five or six lowest ranking uh, uh, West Point graduates to be assigned to one of the four uh, segregated uh, units, the 9th Cavalry, the 10th uh, Cavalry Regiment, the 24th uh, Regiment, or the 25th uh, Infantry Regiment. Uh, black soldiers in these uh, segregated uh, units were commanded by white officers, and in fact, they were the best units, the best units in the U.S. Army at the time. Had, Ar had George Armstrong Custard, take, uh, as he was offered, taken one this along, he wouldn't have had that unfortunate picnic on the greasy grass in July of 1876. Um, they were the best units, yet they were subjected to all the racial prejudice uh, endemic to, Jim Crow, uh, to the uh, Jim Crow America of the time. Now, upon, immediately upon graduation, uh, Ahern took up the assignment of the 25th at Fort Randall, Dakota Territory. The 25th's um, assignment was to guard Sitting Bull, who, the, who, as you know, in 1881, had come down from Canada and had surrendered the U.S. Army. So Fort Randall was, in essence, an open-air prison for Sitting Bull and his band. By the time of his surrender, and I think you probably, some of you already know, Sitting Bull was a worldwide celebrity. And every day he received a sack of fan mail from his fans across the world. Well, when the 25th uh, commander found out that Ahern could read and write uh, German and French, he assigned uh, Ahern to be Sitting Bull's, to handle Sitting Bull's correspondence. Uh, essentially becoming Sitting Bull's personal secretary. Uh, Aaron also probably learned how to speak Lakota because there is no evidence that he used an interpreter when he talked to Sitting Bull, when he, in his dealings with Sitting Bull, nor uh, that, uh, uh, and, and from his correspondence, it's clear that he probably talked to him directly rather than through an interpreter. So nearly every day, uh, Ahern met with Sitting Bull to work through his correspondence and draft whatever replies the chief made to him. Remarkably, uh, Sitting Bull also invited, and this is really remarkable if you know what the Lakota were going through at the time. He invited uh, uh, Ahern to almost every meeting 
that's sending bullhead with the other Lakota uh, 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 leaders talking about the crisis that was occurring at the time on the uh, Great Sioux Reservation. And so as a result, I believe, and I, 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 it, it, Sitting Bull is hard to get to, I, and this is a, pro, a project that I'm just beginning, but it's clear that uh, Ahern developed a really deep and sympathetic understanding of the, the plight of the American Indian, and particularly the Lakota. Ahern became very close friends with uh, Sitting Bull, and uh, who gave Ahern the name Two Crows. Now Ahern's uh, friendship also extended Sitting Bull's family, including little Standing Holy, who I believe was Sitting Bull's youngest daughter, who treated Ahern as uh, an adopted uncle or adopted older brother. She insisted every day when Ahern came to camp that she came and got Ahern and then she would lead him through the camp by his hand. And there are a number of stories of the relationship here, a uh, very warm relationship. Now when the federal authorities uh, transferred Sitting Bull uh, from Fort Randall to Standing Rock, Ahern and companies B, C, D, and I uh, of the 25th Infantry were transferred to garrison duty at Fort Snelling uh, near Minneapolis and St. Paul, where they remained between 1883 and 1888. But to conclude this story about Sitting Bull and uh, Ahern, I really need to skip ahead to the winter of 1890-91. Uh, in 1890, uh, Ahern was uh, stationed at Fort Shaw near Great Falls, Montana, and that's when the ghost dance uh, uh, agitation, or the ghost dance, not agitation, broke out in Dakota Territory and the Great Sioux Reservation, followed closely by the death of uh, Sitting Bull at the hands of the Indian Agency police botched re uh, arrest attempt. In response, uh, General Nelson Miles set in motion the largest mobilization of American troops. And if, if you really need to read this book, uh, Jerry Green, Jerome Green's uh, American Carnage, which is probably the best and the most uh, best treatment of the Wounded Knee Massacre, or this whole campaign there is. It was a huge mobilization, uh, and uh, uh, this caused Ahern a great deal, a great deal of anxiety. Was he going to be forced? And he knew there was going to be bloodshed. It was clear that there was going to be bloodshed, given the number of troops and given the situation that was occurring on the reservation, was he going to be forced to go and do something, strong-arm his friends and uh, acquaintances on the reservation? Uh, fortunately, uh, the 25th was uh, held in reserve uh, at Fort Keogh, as I said. Uh, here's George Ahern. Apparently, he was the aide-de-camp to the uh, lieutenant colonel in charge of the 25th. And, uh, he, all he basically did was spend the winter, it was a very harsh winter of 1991 with the infantry and their Sibley tents huddled around their Sibley stoves. Uh, and so he didn't have to uh, uh, you know, participate in that. Ahern continued to occupy a really warm place in the hearts of uh, Sitting Bull's uh, descendants. Um, and some evidence that uh, he could maintain a contact, contact with Sitting Bull's family uh, long after the chief's death. For example, on Ahern's uh, 75th birthday in uh, 1934, uh, Zikala Saab, uh, wrote this, uh, who's uh, Sitting Bull's granddaughter, wrote this uh, letter, very warm letter, uh, thanking him for all the kindnesses that he had shown Sitting Bull during his captivity and his family. Okay, well, the main purpose of my talk generally on this, and I don't know how much time I have left, is to highlight George Ahern's role 
as a conservationist and as an as a, as a, uh, outspoken advocate for wise uh, forestry practices, and eventually a practitioner of scientific forestry. Now, the real question we have to ask, the conservation army, uh, why would an officer in the United States Army involve himself in the budding conservation movement of the late 19th century? Well, it is not well known, or but maybe well known to you, that the U.S. Army and some of its officers, such as Ahern, were deeply involved uh, and very invested in conservation and preservation of America's rapidly uh, diminishing resources. Uh, Harvey Meyerson has written a book, uh, uh, Nature's Army, when uh, um, uh, soldiers fought for Yosemite, and he suggests that the old army that existed before 1898 and his officers were predisposed to the protection and wise use of the public domain. And he, he cites fair, uh, various reasons. First of all, one mission, and this is often overlooked, of the U.S. Army from its inception in the 1780s was the protection of the national domain and Indian reservations from uh, squatters, criminals, interlopers, and timber thieves. Uh, in fact, many uh, on Navajo in particular would have rather had the army uh, uh, be in charge of the reservation, as will the Lakota, despite wounded need, than uh, the BIA. The two obvious uh, cases of, uh, ar of army stewardship and involvement in national, uh, uh, national resources uh, management. Well, this is John Muir's uh, comment about the U.S. soldiers who, uh, well, the, first of all, the, the first was the uh, Army's administration, very conscientious and, and, and really very effective uh, stewardship and management until 1916 of Yosemite, Yellowstone, Sequoia, and General Grant National Parks. The, the force in the West also were the special responsibility, after 1876, special responsibility to the U.S. Army, uh, beginning in uh, 1876, the U.S. Bureau, Bureau of Forestry asked for and received most of this information about the American force from officers stationed at the Western Post. Also, and this is the point that he makes, by virtue of their frequent assignments and reassignments, Army officers spent most of their adult lives crisscrossing the states, crisscrossing the territories, camping out on the land, inspecting it, mapping it, sending reports back, uh, and so they probably had a broader, more comprehensive understanding of the American landscape as a continental system than any, any other Americans. Um, U.S. Army officers also were among the best educated Americans of their age, acquiring to the West Point education, not just uh, a grounding in military science and, technology, uh, and tactics, but also uh, uh, a, uh, uh, a thorough uh, preparation mathematics, and geology, astronomy, and the life sciences. Many officers, such as George Crook, George uh, Armstrong Custer, combined their craze for hunting, with their, they were avid naturalists, uh, combined the craze for hunting with uh, preparing and sending specimens off to the uh, Smithsonian. So these are people with probably a better knowledge of the Americans, uh, American landscape than any other, and a greater appreciation for it. Now, several experiences turned Ahern towards conservation. Uh, several in Minnesota and many more in Montana. Uh, first came as a result of his assignment to, between 1883 and 1888 uh, to Fort Snelling. Fort Snelling is located at the confluence of Minnesota and Mississippi rivers, uh, a few miles downstream from Minneapolis and St. Paul. Uh, uh, apart from uh, boring garrison duty, 
uh, ignorance and detachment uh, guarded the uh, survivors of sword bearers uh, uprising of the Crow Reservation in 1887. Do any of you know about this? Sword bearers? I, I, I don't want to get into it. Uh, I'm not going to get into it all. He took very much interest in these gentlemen uh, and unfortunately he also had to suppress a jailbreak that they made uh, in 1887 uh, primarily because their chief task at the prison were to shovel snow and they couldn't why they had to shovel so much snow. And they and finally, a death bowl led an outbreak that was suppressed. I'm not sure that Ahern was involved in the suppressor. I know Lieutenant Ruger was. Well, by the 1880s, Minneapolis had become a premier lumber producing center of the world, and the Mississippi had become a great conduit for millions upon millions of bored feet. They're being stripped off the forest, the white pine, uh, white pine forests of uh, Wisconsin and Minnesota. Uh, at Fort Snelling, uh, Ahern observed the wasteful and unsustainable clear-cutting of white pine, which left the, uh, the uh, landscape denuded of trees and full of slash piles, which later ignited some of the great uh, comp wildfire conflagrations that were uh, passing over Minnesota and uh, Wisconsin at the time. And as a result, he, he uh, joined a growing number of Americans uh, who were very concerned that at this rate of wasteful logging, uh, America would soon become deforested and it would lead to a timber famine. That America would no longer have the timber necessary for its economic development. But uh, what to do about it? There was no answer forthcoming. In 1888, uh, Ahern was reassigned to the West, where he served in three U.S. Army posts, Fort Shaw, Fort Missoula, and uh, briefly at Fort Custer. Uh, but Ahern spent more time in the field than in the forts. The second uh, formative experience uh, influencing Ahern's turn to forest conservation came in 1888 when he was reassigned to Fort Shaw, uh, Montana. From 1888 to 1891, he conducted a series of explorations of the northern Rockies, locating passes, peaks, glaciers, hunting bighorn sheep and elk and mapping the country. And he actually used uh, Nicholas Biddle's first edition of Lewis and Clark's journals to help him navigate uh, the area. Uh, in 1890, uh, he conducted the first geological survey of what was to become Glacier National Park uh, with a party consisting of G.E. Culver, who was a geologist at the University of Wisconsin, a detachment of Buffalo soldiers, two prospectors, and two very knowledgeable Native American guys for whom this was not unknown territory. I tried to reconstruct his route uh, by using his written, well, actually, Culver, yes, by Mark, okay, I won't get, I won't, you're not going to get to the Sordeur. How did he come about to uh, help create the National Forest? But you can see uh, the route here, I was able to reconstruct it, whether this is accurate or not, I don't know. Uh, this is Ahern Pass, uh, and if any of you backpacked over Ahern Pass, that you know that would be a hard as hell to get over, a, uh, get a mounted uh, uh, party over that pass. Helen Lake, named after his mother. Well, somewhere along in these excursions uh, to northwest Montana, Ahern ran into his publicist, uh, Julian Ralph, a uh, reporter for the New York Sun, known by his colleagues as the Prince of Reporters, um, and he wrote a series of articles about Ahern. As a result, uh, Ahern uh, was, uh, gained a national reputation as a hunter and explorer, thereby earning him, among other things, an invitation a uh, Steiner, Steiner's uh, expedition 
an invitation to join Stein's expedition to seek the North Pole, an expedition that was aborted. Uh, in 1890, also, uh, Ahern conducted the, uh, in, uh, he was also inducted uh, into the prestigious Boone and Crockett Club in New York City, uh, whose members, such as Theodore Roosevelt, Madison Grant, and George Bird Grinnell, were leaders in the conservation movement in the late 19th century. Well, what to do about uh, this impending term? Uh, a partial answer came with the Land Revision Act of 1891. With this passage of the Land Revision Act, it allowed Benjamin Harrison and future presidents to set aside in the public domain from time to time what were called forest reserves, and these were the ancestors of our national forests. And what I would like to do, you know, since I don't have much time left, what I uh, like to do is just very quickly explain that he was building up this national reputation um, because he had done so much exploring, he's called to Washington, D.C., all right, to report on the force. And there he met two uh, people who you might recognize as uh, pioneers in the American conservation movement, uh, Bernard Pernod, Gifford Pinchot. And what happens is that they induct him, they recruit him into this national network of conservationists that they're trying to establish. And they, uh, they, they uh, established across the United States. And they urge him to go back to Montana and preach, uh, become a missionary uh, for uh, progressive conservation. Uh, of course, Gifford Pinchot later becomes the first chief of the US Forestry Service. Uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, Ayer does go back. Uh, he uh, is assigned to teach uh, military science and tactics at the College of Montana and the agricultural MSU, what is the MSU now? Uh, this is him drilling his MSU uh, ROTC cadets on the main street in Bozeman about 1897. You notice what kind of weapons they're carrying? Uh, he also goes around Montana uh, talking, uh, talking up, uh, a warning about deforestation, talking up the uh, uh, effects of it and the need to have more forest reserves. He establishes uh, Finally, he's invited to uh, Montana State to set up the first systematic course of forestry, later stolen by uh, the University of Montana. Uh, and he is then inducted to the National Forest Commission uh, with Pinchot, Muir, etc. cetera. Uh, they tour Montana. Uh, he spends three, three uh, weeks backpack trip with Pinchot and Graves and the Bitterroot. Uh, and as a result, uh, <laughs> this is a really uh, summary, uh, we have uh, finally Montana gets its national forest, the Flathead, the Lewis and Clark, and the Bitterroot. Uh, he acquires some enemies, uh, very influential enemies. When the war breaks out, um, when the Spanish-American War breaks out, uh, Tim, Tom, uh, Thomas Henry Carter, U.S. Senator, Republic, uh, Republican from Montana, spokesman for Montana Mining and Timber Industry, says, you may go to war, but you're not going to get a promotion out of it. And even though uh, Ahern went on to win the Silver Star, uh, he did eventually gain a promotion, but against this guy's opposition. Ahern is also, a number of prominent uh, Montanans, also were lobbying to have him appointed the superintendent of Yellowstone National Park, but Carter uh, scuttled that. Okay, thank you. Appreciate it.